back in the book of Ephesians, and uh, we're in Ephesians 4 this this morning, 17 through 24. Read that scripture in a moment. I wanted to share part of a letter uh, email that Lydia had written this morning that we finally got. We hadn't heard from her in a couple of days. She had changed from Beijing to Nanjing, and uh, you know how parents are. I figured she was okay, but it's like hurry up and write so I, you know, have some comfort there. But she wrote Cindy this morning. I want to read just part of her email. I'm not going to read all of it, but she says, "Hey, mom." We got to Nanjing yesterday afternoon. It was about 1.30 a.m. for you, though. The students are very, very nice and are ready to help us and to be our friend. I like them all very much, except I don't always know how to communicate with them. They speak broken English, and I speak three Chinese words. Plus the numbers, because I learned them on the airplane flight. Ling, Yi, Ar, San, Su... Wu Liu Chi Ba Ju Shu Shu Yi, probably mispronouncing these things. She says Ling is zero. She says I know Nathan graduated yesterday. I kept thinking last night that he would probably be graduating while I was sleeping. That's so weird that we're on opposite times. I was very sad to miss his graduation. Let him know I love him and I'm proud. I prayed he wouldn't go crazy, too crazy. I'm sorry to miss Nanny and Pawpaw as well. We're glad they're here with us today, Nanny and Pawpaw and our cousin, Captain. Um, it It says, tell them that I think China's wonderful even though I miss home a lot. I feel sort of like the first time I went to summer camp. A part of me is aching to just be at home, but I know this is good. I think if I ever went overseas again, I'd barely be homesick at all, just like camp. I'm trying not to be afraid or too homesick. It's a great comfort to know that wherever I go, my faith in God can always be constant. That makes me less afraid. I'm not afraid of dying or getting lost or hurt or sick. Nothing that I feel people normally afraid of. I'm afraid of loneliness, and I miss my friends and family very much. China's less like I thought it would be. I'm not going to. I'm not afraid of being here or being lost. Everyone's so helpful, and. Uh, if you uh, have some money and a lost piece of paper, the name of the school, they'll help. At least that's what I think. It feels safe. The biggest crimes are things like petty theft, nothing to truly fear. Most of these people never have the opportunity to touch a gun. She says, last night we had dinner with the vice president. It was delicious. I like most of the food we've had so far. It's hard to, uh, to know how much to eat. They encourage you to eat so much. I'm not very good with chopsticks. My favorite food was fried eggplant. It's much better than fried okra. I'll leave it at that. But uh, Anyway, I just wanted to share just a little bit with you. It touched me that she had mentioned, I'm grateful my faith keeps me steady. All right, guys, to the scripture here. Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. And I'm going to ask when you find that to stand in God's honor as I read it aloud. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality 
so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught at him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for being here with us this morning. You always are. And we trust that you will speak to us because you're the only one who can say something that really matters. Now I pray, Father, that you would continue to speak and Father, that your spirit would touch us, Lord, and that we'd hear from you as we continue on this morning. Father, help my words to make sense and to be clear and help me not to ramble and repeat myself, but may your spirit teach us, Lord. May, Father, you just help us to know that uh, we're yours and what we're to dress like inside. Father, may you have your way this morning. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I've been that long ago. All Everywhere that I looked, the news was about the royal wedding. Wow. Uh, I read somewhere on the internet they uh, estimated that that wedding cost $40 million. And I thought, well, if they put that mu- as much money into the marriage as they put in the wedding, they're going to be safe, man. They put that, that much power into it, much energy. And what's interesting about it was the same uh, blog that I read said that they actually made money on the wedding, a $40 million wedding. Because all over the world, people were fascinated with what she would wear and, and was fascinated with the wedding ceremony and what would transpire afterwards. And there was all this talk and, and, and all this energy that, that went into finding out just what happened there. We're, we're, we're fascinated by how we look, how other people perceive us, by the way that we dress, by the way other people look at us. And, and that's that's a part of our makeup. And as, as uh, you know, it was it was funny. I, I read a story um, as I was preparing for the message. They talked about a young couple about to get married, and three days before the wedding, the mom of the bride to be, uh, the daughter said to her, said, uh, "Mom, I've got some bad news. I found out today that." Uh, my husband's to be mom is about the same dress you have. She said, I, I'm sorry. She said, I know you spent a lot of money on that dress. What are you going to do? She said, oh, it's not a problem. She said, I'll just go out and buy another dress. She said, well, but it just seems a shame that you won't get to use it. She said, oh, I'll get to use it. I'll use it at the rehearsal dinner. Now, as I thought about that story, it... it it made me think about the way we are. We want other people to notice us. We want to dress in such a way where we where we stand out and other people see us. And then when we think that someone else may be getting the attention that we so long for, 
we, we find a way maybe to hurt them and to strike back. But that's not to be the inner clothes. That's not to be the dress code of a child of God. We're not to be marked by that. And we're going to look uh, this morning at how we're not to appear as God's kids and how we are to appear. And guys, there's three things that have to happen. First off, there has to be a certain inner clothes that have to be removed. And then there has to be a change of thinking. You know, it talks about in Romans 12 too that we are to transform our thinking, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So there's a taking off, there's a change of the way we perceive and the way we think, and then we're to put on a new type of clothing, a new type of inner garment. And, and that's to be what we're marked by, is that we are different, that we've become new in Jesus Christ. That, 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 guys, He has made us His kids, and so we don't look the same as we used to look. That makes all the difference. So as we look at our text here, he starts out, and he says, so I tell you this, and he says, and insist on it in the Lord. He, he's, he's making a, a strong statement here. He wants, he wants uh, his readers to understand that he means business here. He says, I don't want you to live as you used to live as the Gentiles do, and he talks about there being a futility in their thinking. And I, as I thought about that, I thought it's a type of thinking that leaves God out. That lives if this God doesn't matter, or God doesn't exist, or God doesn't care. That's the futile type of thinking that always lives for the moment instead of considering eternity. And he's saying that should not mark your lives. Don't live as life that is so fleeting Make sure God's a part of it. Turn me to Hebrews chapter 11. As I thought about this, it reminded me of a couple of passages in that famous uh, hall of faith that we often talk about. and uh, remind me of a couple of those here that are described. Um, it says verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He was looking at the bigger picture. He wasn't just looking for the moment. Just to be able, you know what they say, uh, can all you get, get all you can, and then sit on the can. That wasn't the idea. The idea was to have a long-range view. To see life as it really is, not just the moment, but eternity. Matter of fact, if you go back up here, guys, and you, you look at verse 13, it says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. This is the one that doesn't have a futile thinking, but is thinking about more than the moment. Thinking about the country that awaits, because God has prepared a place for His kids, those who are His own. And, and, and that should be our hearts, not for the moment, but with an eye toward eternity. And as we look at the Scripture, there's this description of those who are stuck in this futile thinking. It says, verse 18, they are darkened 
in their understanding. Guys, the light hasn't come on. They're in darkness. They can't see clearly. They can't understand fully because the light hasn't been turned on in their minds and their hearts. And it says, and they are separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. There is a a hardening that has transpired inside so that they can't see God. They're not aware of the things of God. They don't have the Spirit of God residing within them. So they're blind. They're lost. It's the kind of terminology that we use. They're just not aware of of God and His love and His mercy and His grace. And, And that's what they need. And this is the people that He's talking about. And this is their condition. This is what they're stuck with. The word hardening is actually a Greek word that we get our word porous from. And it is a reference to a stone um, that is hard. It's a stone that's harder than marble. And, and there's a word picture here known to the, peop- the readers who would understand it as a substance, that, a chalky substance that actually gets in the joints and begins to harden the body so that it's hard to move until one is almost unable to move with a type of paralysis. It is a picture of when the bone breaks and, and then when it heals, it's, what is healed is actually harder than the original bone. It is a picture of one who's, who's become hardened and immovable to the voice of God who is, who is unable to be moved by, by His Spirit. That's what the hardness is about. And he goes on, he talks about that hardness. He says, they've lost all sensitivity. It says they've given themselves over to a sensuality to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. There's this continual lust that turns into a recklessness. I read this quote, and it said, where there's a restlessness, there is a recklessness. When there is not a rest in God, when people are seeking, always trying to find something to fulfill them and to comfort them, to make them whole. There's that continual thirst. And there's only one who feels that. And that's our God. That's Jesus Christ. He is the only one that, that feels that. And so there's this continual recklessness because there is a restlessness inside. And it ends up, this recklessness, causing so much pain and, and turmoil. Uh, here's a quote from Ray Steadman. He says, Why are human beings ignorant? There's a part of us that doesn't function. The spiritual realm, the spirit of humanity lost in sin is dead. We are incomplete. We tend to take pride in our great civilization. But what has this civilization done for us? Have we solved the problem of crime, racism, immorality, war? Do we feel safe on our streets at night? Are we any happier than the ancient Greeks? then why are so many of us going to psychiatrists, getting drunk, facing divorce, facing troubled kids? Why are these problems rising instead of declining? He says it's due to a hardness of heart and a darkness of mind. That's what marks the one who hasn't met Jesus. That's not to mark us who have. Now look here in verse 20. It says, you, however, did not come to know Christ that way. 
And I must get a picture in my mind. It's almost like Paul is, is he's pointing. He's pointing the finger at each of us. And he's, I'm talking to you, guy. That's not how you came to know Christ. He wasn't just some distant relative. He was a dear daddy. He's one close to you who's transformed your life. He, he's not just a passing fancy or fad. He's your life. He says, remember that. Take that to heart. He, you know, I see the passion in what he says. He says, surely you heard of him and, and you were taught in him accordance with the truth. That's in Jesus. He says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. There is a change. There is a turning away from that old way of life. He says, in that old way of life, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, and he says, and that change is to be made new, verse 23, in the attitude of your minds. See, the mind change. And then to put on the new self, a new dress code, new clothes inside that is the way you look on the inside. Not just the outward appearance, as it says in 1 Samuel 16, 7, that God looked on the inward appearance, not just the heart. He says, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That He'd bring forth that change. It's a change, guys, uh, described in a guy named Rusty Wellborn, who was tried in 1979 in Myrtle Beach. Four people were murdered. He was charged for one lady in particular who was murdered. There was a guy named Bob McAllister who was on the staff of the governor who worked hand in hand with the prisons. And he came to know Jesus Christ and Jesus changed his inner dress code, his inner appearance, his heart. And he wanted to reach out to the prisoners to impact their lives. And so Bob, one day when he went into the prison, he met Rusty. Rusty was laying on the floor of this prison. He said what caught his attention was that Rusty was in the fetal position and there were roaches literally crawling all over his body and around the cell. And he didn't even move. He just laid in the floor, a broken person. And he said it was obvious as he, as he laid there that this was a guy that Nobody loved him. Nobody cared about him. So what does it matter? Just let the roaches have their way. But Bob said, you know, I'm going to try to impact this guy. So he started making regular visits. He, he came to his cell and he started out talking about Jesus. He says, you know, Rusty, God loves you. Jesus died for you. You matter. At first, Rusty acted like he wasn't even there. But Bob didn't give up. He kept coming back and he kept, he kept, he kept returning. Until finally one day, Rusty turned toward him and he responded and he, and he listened. Until that one visit, when he came and Rusty began to cry and he began to weep uncontrollably. And, and he said, why do you come? And he said, well, I've kept telling you over and over. It's because I care about you and because Jesus has changed me and He cares about you and He wants me to talk to you to let you know He loves you. And he said, you know, Bob, he said, you don't know anything about me. You don't know my life. He said, I grew up very poor in West Virginia. He said, in school, I only had two pair of pants and two shirts and they were ragged and 
I was always in trouble and at home, you know, I, I faced abuse. Nobody seemed to care about me. So in the ninth grade, I dropped out of school, ran away from home, living under bridges, living in public rest areas. My life just grew out of control. Before I knew it, I got deeper and deeper trouble. And then I don't know what happened. I find myself here and it, I had murdered these people. I don't understand. And he said, nobody loves me. I'm worthless. And then I hear this message. And you talk about I can be forgiven and I can be changed. And so he prayed to receive Christ right there. And, and he started calling Bob Pap because he never had a family. And Bob started thinking about Rusty like his own kid, his own son. And so this bond began to grow. And Bob would show up and he'd bring his Bible and they'd start having Bible study together. And Rusty began to grow in Christ. And he became really broken over his crime. He didn't want to just get out of jail. He wanted to know that not only God forgave him, but the family of those he had so hurt. Of course, they couldn't forgive him at first. But then there was a breakthrough after a couple of years. Uh, The brother of one of the women who were killed came to know Jesus personally. And God radically got a hold of his life. And he wrote a letter to Rusty saying, Rusty, uh, I forgive you. And Rusty couldn't believe it. And they started corresponding back and forth through letters. But guys, all of... All of this newfound life in Christ, it didn't mean a newfound life outside of the prison because he had to pay for his crimes and he was going to face the death penalty. And he never asked to be set free from that. He knew that he deserved to pay for that crime and so he that, that wasn't the issue. The issue, he needed to be set free from the prison that was inside. He needed a new dress inside. He needed to be different. He needed to look different. And he needed the change that only Christ can bring. And God was working on him. God was changing him. And people were noticing the difference. And Bob said, you know what? I became the student as I watched this young man. He's 23 years old. (laughs) And began to grow so fast in Jesus. That the change was evident. The change impacted Bob McAllister. And then the day approached for his execution. I'm going to read this last last part uh, from the illustration. He says, not only did Rusty teach Bob McAllister how to love and forgive, he also taught him a powerful lesson about how to die. As the appointed day approached, Rusty exhibited a calm and assurance like Bob had never seen. Only his final day, with only hours remaining before his 1 a.m. execution, Rusty asked Bob McAllister to read to him from the Bible. After an hour or two of listening, Rusty sat up on the side of his cot and said, You know, the only thing I ever wanted was a home, Pap. Now I'm going to get one. Bob continued his reading, and after a few minutes, Rusty grew very still. Thinking he had fallen asleep, Bob placed a blanket over him 
and closed the Bible. As he turned to leave, he felt a strong compulsion to lean over and kiss Rusty on the forehead. A short time later, Rusty Wellborn was executed for murder. A woman assisting Rusty in his last moments shared this postscript to his story. As he was being prepared for his death, Rusty looked at her and said, What a shame that a man's got to wait till his last night alive to be kissed and tucked in for the very first time. What about you? Have you been kissed and tucked in by the grace of God? I'm not talking about being church people. I'm not, I'm not talking about, did you grow up in church? Or did, did you come to church regularly? Are you involved in the church? Or are you on a church roll? I'm talking about, have you been kissed and tucked in by God Himself through Jesus Christ and His immeasurable love that forgives you no matter what? Rusty had committed horrible crimes and he did pay for those crimes, but inside he knew that he had a heavenly Father that had forgiven him. And in a sense, he was set free and he said, I'm headed home for the first time to a God who will love me. And guys, that same God loves you. That same God wants you to know His kiss. His warm tuck in. (laughs) And and I guess as I, I lead to this point... My heart, my, my prayer to you, my plea is we have what we call invitation, response to Him, is that you got that nailed down. Because He'll love you and He'll forgive you no matter what. And of course the joy is that when He gets a hold of us, for we get so deep in sin, we have to pay for things that limit, limit the course of our lives. Better off to trust Him sooner than later. Better off to let Him change the way we dress on the inside so we can affect those that are around us on the outside with the message and the proclaiming power of Jesus Christ. He wants us to change, take off the old way of life, to change the way we think, to change where we're going, and to put on the new way of life. To impact people with a message that changes hearts and lives in the very course. That's the call. That's the charge. That's what we're to be about. thought about yesterday with the graduates. With Nathan graduating speaker did a very good job. And he was just sharing about that point. Of, Guys, you're, you're headed out with a specific mission. But it's not just graduates because we're all in this school called life. And God says, if you take me as your teacher, I'll send you out. I'll send you out with what you need to do. And that's the heart. Let's pray. Uh, Lord... Thank you for a chance uh, to worship you this morning. To be reminded, Lord, that a change is necessary. Change is not always good, it's not always bad, but it's necessary because we're sinners that need a change. The change comes by way of the cross, by the one who died upon that cross by the one who could not be held by a grave, but by the one who was resurrected and who ascended to the Heavenly Father at His right hand and is the one who intercedes and the one who is in the middle for us. And that is our life. And I pray, Father, that this morning, if one doesn't know that life, that that will change right now. And that 
new clothes of the heart would be put on. Father, I pray for those who know you, Lord, that are not wearing clothes that represent you, that there would be a change. Because there's so much missed when you're left out. May we not leave you out, Lord, but may you be a part of our lives in every possible way. Lord, we seek you in all this. Holy Spirit, we invite you to continue work as we have this time to sing together, to respond together, and just to say yes to the leading of your Spirit. So, Father, work, and we'll trust you. In the wondrous name of Jesus, we pray.